0: Good morning. My name is Joanne Ray, and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. Amen. And because this program continues to work in my life, I haven't had a drink since June 25th of 66, and for well, that man. I am so grateful. Oh, you know you've already done that. You know uh, as I was getting ready to come over this, uh, well, to... Come over, you think I've been in Europe or somewhere? But you know, to walk into the room, <laughs> I was trying, debating whether I should wear the red flashies or the black, you know, a little more subdued earrings. And and this wonderful old song came through my mind of uh, the lady in red. And one I, one of the lines is, she's a big gaudy, but Lottie, what a personality! <laughs> So I had to go with their red earrings <laughs> i
1: honor
0: I honor the people that have been here to, uh, this weekend and talked and it has been such a blessing for me and I am really not a convention speaker but i, I and I feel like it's a, you know something that I am even here it's just, I don't know, the flukes that we get in our lives. Uh, (laughs) That's okay. I'll give you another A-plus on your next assignments. Uh, I also believe in having a good time and that is exactly what I intend to do today. Uh, you know, and it won't matter whether I'm good or bad or indifferent, because you're going to hear me how you hear me, and that's the way it's going to be. It doesn't matter who you are, because that's the way I hear it, through my own filtering system. And it, and as my good, wonderful new friend, Clara, told me at breakfast, don't forget if there's just one person, you know, she prayed, just let me give something to one person that will help make their lives enrich their lives and make it more spiritual. that'll be great. I don't know about the spiritual part, but maybe we can have some fun. i uh, I grew up over in Fort Worth and was a I was a pretty good student uh, had uh, well, I was a good student. What am I talking about? and uh, but, I, you know, but i was a I was fairly rebellious. I was the fifth of six children, and honey, I hated them all.
1: <laughs> um,
0: well, I did. I used to have a nightmare. I went to therapy for a while and found this out. Now, whether it was his idea or mine, I don't know. but uh, but I found out that I used to have a nightmare recurring nightmare where I killed everybody off and the family (laughs) tried to kill me but couldn't do it, you know. And then I'd wake up screaming and I'd run into bed with mom and daddy who I just murdered. (laughs) So, you know, uh, I was not happy, let's say that. (laughs) And yet, on the other hand, I was just as wonderful, you know, I just really enjoyed life, I really enjoyed being out there, but then when I got home it was turned around. Uh, I think that's why I was such a good student was because it was out of the house. They weren't teaching me at home. And uh, I played piano, studied piano, and that was a great thing for me to study also because you don't have to be around anybody when you're doing that, you know, except that teacher. And one way that I got back at this family uh, we lived in a two-story home, and of course the piano's on the first floor, and I would wake up early in the morning, and I'd go down at that piano, and I would practice cherny exercises. Now, if you ain't never heard one, pray that you don't. <laughs> they are the most boring things, but they're great for finger development, you know. But, uh, And so that's how I would get even with them, wake them up to cherny exercises. Uh, Well, I went on to school, well, and uh, went to high school, and the Second World War broke out. I used to be so discombobulated that that had to happen because all the guys left, you know.
1: (laughs) talk about
0: selfishness, self-centeredness, well, <laughs> I'm just giving up my life for you, girl, you know, uh, but, uh, I, you know, that's just the way my mind went, I could not, I didn't look beyond anything, I didn't, I couldn't see, seem to see beyond, and the big picture, and all that baloney, I remember that this says the morning, Sunday morning, and as Steve said, that just means we don't cuss quite so much, so, uh, <laughs> So hopefully, I will not cuss too much this morning. Uh, and I found boys and booze. Now, I don't know in what order, but I found boys and booze. and man, was that a blessing for me.
1: Uh, and them. <laughs>
0: People you know, well, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we may die. You know, well, I fell for it every time.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
0: Stupid. I want to say something real interject here. I, if I had wanted to, I could have kept paying for dues in Mensa, so I have a nice intellect, okay? But I don't know a damn thing about how to live. I mean, I just, I have made some of the worst choices that I've ever, that a person can make. I mean, you know, choose booze in, instead of college. Well, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm uh, off on my run with this newfound friend, alcohol, and all the boys I could find. Uh, there was a, the, the thing to do at that time was to date the, Men from the Air Force because they made more money than the you know the grunts. <laughs>
1: <And>
0: <laughs> However, there's nothing wrong with them. You know,
1: <laughs> they have what it takes. And,
0: and uh, so I was. What they did, they had a the guy the, these guys would have like one room here at the Old Worth Hotel in Fort Worth, which is no longer around, and then they would have the floor right behind below it and this one night they tied sheets together Mm -hmm. and we girls there were two of us the only two that did this I often wonder what happened to her. But, uh, and we, we, we got down to our panties and bra. Now that doesn't sound like a heck of a lot today, you know, but honey, back then that was a lot. I mean, (laughs) they did not have bikinis. I was just trying to set the trend for you all today. Get you started. And we repelled. I didn't even know what the hell the word meant. Haven't heard it, I don't think from the one floor down to the next floor, that's outside the building, (laughs) and uh, why, why, you know, why would you do that? (laughs) It was just such craziness, such craziness, all of that life, it was, and then I'd go to school, (laughs) and Our Lady of Victory. Which, for those of you who don't know, is a Catholic girls' school. Or was at the time. And, uh, well, my grades started dropping. And one woman, one of the nuns said, Joanne, what's the matter? Your grades are dropping. And I said, well, you know, my dad drinks a lot. <laughs> and it's awfully difficult to study at home because he comes in drunk. And she said something very profound. And, oh, how I wish I had paid attention. She said, you know... If you're smart enough to figure out that your dad is your problem, then you're smart enough to figure out how to solve it, oh, well, that means I'm going to have to take the responsibility for this fool. No, uh uh-uh, not me. It's him. I want you to go to my house and he can tell you, um, oh, here's that desire chip that that guy's going to give me. I want to say something about this guy. Pardon me. Uh, You know... He was, he was up here doing the deal about remember to sign up for golf and for this or for that and he never said bridge and I had to remind him and and he accuses me of being an Al-Anon or needing it and I'm accusing him of needing some memory lessons <laughs> <laughs> Of course I didn't play in the bridge tournament well what the hell it needed to be that. As I. Anybody have any idea where I
1: am? <laughs>
0: yeah, if we'll see, and if I could really figure it out then I wouldn't have a problem, we would <laughs> That's one of the interesting things of getting to be as old as I am, which incidentally I'll be seventy seven on October fifth. Oh yeah. <laughs> Damn proud of it too. And uh, I have some friends in the Room, who, at least one who's up there too, and I love that. I love that idea of our being, still being sober and still being old and still being involved in Alcoholics Anonymous, which I love. I've always, I've, I sort of laughed to myself every once in a while. I can imagine a newcomer saying. My God, she has 36 years. Hell, hey, haven't she gotten
1: it yet? You know? <laughs>
0: what is this? But it's, it's just life. It's just a wonderful way of life that I enjoy. I don't need to go anywhere because I've heard other people say this too that, you know, this is like um, Peyton Place. <laughs> Who needs to go anywhere else got we got it all right here? In fact, my sponsor used to tell me that I had to sit on the front row. And when I asked her why, she said, because I don't want you to try to figure out who you're going to be sleeping with tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And I still sit on the front row. Because, <laughs> there used to be an old saying, and I can't remember the damn thing, but it's so about gray hair and the chimney still, you know, belching with desire.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank God for memories. <laughs> not knowing where I where I am right now. <laughs> I, mean, I know where I am, but where am I in the story? Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter,
1: huh? said you're
0: to figure out your problem, then you're smart to figure Oh yeah, that lady that nun, right. And see what she did, she put it right back on my shoulders. You you are gonna have to figure this thing out. It's your your responsibility, not your dad's responsibility and Oh, boy, that I heard things like that, see, throughout the years, and as brilliant as I am, it never made a damn, because I was so, so into myself, and you, if you're an alcoholic, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, I'm so into myself that I could not get out here and see that I am harming you, that I may be harming you. Of course, today... And I really believe this, and a lot of you are going to say, Oh, my gosh, what did she say that for? But I don't believe I can harm you anymore. I really don't, because you're responsible for yourselves, and only you can determine whether I have harmed you. I can't do that. You give me permission to harm you, and that's the only thing. And if you don't give me permission, then I can't harm you. It is certainly my intention today never to harm anyone again, whether it's by, you know, hook or crook, I don't care. I never want to harm anyone again. But if it does, that's your problem, and it sure as hell ain't mine. Okay. Oh, well, I, I, uh, my grades were dropping. The nun had told me that, you know, and and they still dropped. (coughs) I talked my dad into allowing me to go to high school at a, at a, Paschal High in Fort Worth. It was a public school. And boy, what a traumatic shift. You know, we had 25 girls in my class and then went there and there were 100 people and it was just, it was was quite traumatic. And uh, I was uh, lost in that, you know, my grades still were bad and Uh, I was taking, typing, now, I I studied piano a lot, so my fingers were agile, and I knew that I could just move right over that typewriter, which I did, and that I was the best one there, and she would say, but you still have to turn in your homework, and I'd say to myself, I don't know why, you don't have anybody else in here typing this fast, thank you, and so I wouldn't turn in the homework, well, guess what, she didn't care, You know, she wanted the homework, so I had to flunk, she flunked me, and I had to go back to summer school, and so who cares about that? But the point of it is the impact that alcohol makes on the lives of a person, the life of a person, that profound, it changes our whole, it changed my entire perspective my entire desire to be the best gal that I could be, to be the best student. I wanted so much to be valedictorian and I didn't make it. (laughs) But it it really had changed my life. I went on and uh, I never drank daily and that was a problem for me. (laughs) Uh, When I started trying to sober up Because if I don't drink daily, then obviously I'm not an alcoholic. (laughs) See, and so if I'm not an alcoholic, then I don't really have to be coming to these uh, fool meetings, you know, and doing all that. (sighs) Serenity prayer stuff, you know, uh, and trying to be kind. Because uh, I was, I was, I've always been. I do not have that anger today for which I am blessedly grateful. But I have always, i would always been an angry girl. Always been angry. Uh, and since I didn't, uh, well, hell, I, isn't this a bitch?
1: <laughs>
0: I wanted to be a good woman. I wanted to do all of those things, but it just wasn't coming off that way. It just wasn't turning out that way. So I go to work uh, selling hosiery uh, at the old Meacham's first when it first opened up in Fort Worth uh, and uh, you know, had some adventures there we won't go into <laughs> But I always wanted to be discovered. And it made me so mad years later to find out that everybody in A wanted to be discovered. I was, thought I was only one, you know. And I, so I wanted to be discovered. I obviously had not been discovered in Fort Worth, Texas. So I have to go to Dallas. Now this part of my story is, you know, probably funny to you, but it by God wasn't funny then. Uh, so I've gotta figure out a way to get from Fort Worth to Dallas. Now those of you who are familiar with the area know that's about a thirty mile trip. <laughs> We're not talking about New York. And uh But I don't have any money. I have never had any money. So uh, I'm going to sidetrack again. And please somebody help me remember where the hell I am. Um, One of the the, uh, uh, parameters of success in AA is not having money. You know, there are a lot of us that I have noticed that don't wind up being wealthy. But the wealth... Comes from in here. It, and that I'm not saying that you can't. I, I hate it when people say, "Oh, well, if you're if you're wealthy, then you'll never stay sober." And I, hey, that's bullshit. <laughs> Where is my mother <laughs> or sister superior? <laughs> You know, the wealth comes from within yourself, and if you're sober today, honey, you're as wealthy as anybody in the room. Absolutely. So don't ever worry about that. Now, where was I? Oh, yeah, I'm trying to get to Dallas. Okay. On the bus. On the bus, yeah. (laughs) Somebody's heard my story before. Oh. Well, I don't know how to get enough money together because I really don't know how to save money. Oh, well, that's a fool. I, I wouldn't know how if I wanted to, but I don't. So, <laughs> much to my children's chagrin.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so I get uh, involved in the oldest profession known to man womankind, or probably mankind, and uh, uh, work for about two weeks and... And couldn't stand that, but then I'd also gotten enough money to buy a bus ticket <laughs> from Fort Worth to Dallas and buy a green dress. I'll never forget that green dress and uh you know you think because it cost about two dollars, three dollars, something like that to buy that ticket. so you got to wonder, well was she that bad or <laughs> well,
1: What was going on? Here?
0: I get to Dallas, and I start working at a uh, little Quonset hut that was a, you know, joint, beer joint, and met the man of my nightmares. And... <laughs> 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 we were both drunk. You, can you imagine that? And uh, we get married, and I have often sworn that if we had had, if, the, if North Dallas and Rockwall had been wet, we would never have gotten married because we would have stopped and had a beer. But it was all dry then, so we had to drive all the way to Waterfall without a beer. And got married there, and that was charming. Uh, She had on a kimono and her hair in curlers, and you know, the woman that married us anyhow. I hear girls talk about their weddings and how wonderful they were, and I just keep quiet. I think, God, I don't want to tell my life was. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so, well, we get married and I have two children. Now, I want to tell you quickly here that my children are A-OK. Yeah. So if you're an alcoholic and you have children in your life and they have been affected by your alcoholism, don't give up hope because there is a way out and they can find their own ways and even though you have maybe have been you know really neglectful and never nurturing and never showing them (laughs) the care and the attention that they deserved don't please just keep coming in this program and keep doing the things that we tell you to do well then uh, we got a divorce and uh, moved to Tulsa Oklahoma and uh, that's where, if there would be that invisible line, I would crossed over it because then it was no longer just sort of a fun, it was more of I have to have a drink. And But again, I was never a daily drinker. Also another way that I calmed myself into believing that I wasn't an alcoholic was by uh, saying, well, see, I can always get a job, and my God, I could always get a job. Getting a job was no problem. Keeping the job was, what was the problem, you know. They just don't like it when you have an excessive amount of flu. But it It's just something about them. And uh, I wouldn't have hired me for the world. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and with that kind of false information... Then I kept denying the fact that I'm an alcoholic, and I kept denying it and denying it. If I had stayed sober from the first time that I came to AA, I'd have something like 48 years of sobriety today, but I don't, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I also never do this. When someone asks me my sobriety date, I give it to them. I give them my sobriety date. I don't say, well, <laughs> I was here in the 50s, you know, and... Uh, that that meant something because i don't believe it does i believe that whatever the hell it was i thought i'd learn back there was of no value or baby i wouldn't have gone out there again i would not have gone out there again so i go uh, oh and i'd also like to interject here too steve was talking about choice you know the book tells us we lose our choice our power of choice and I do not believe when I hear someone introduce themselves at the meetings and they say, well, I've chosen not to drink today, I want to say, well, what the? Why are you
1: here?
0: <laughs> go <ahead and> go. <laughs> it's Sunday morning, darling. <laughs> but you get the idea. <laughs> oh, you know, why are you here if you can choose? Why are you here? Because I, I can't choose anymore. If I have a drink today, I know I'm going to get drunk. I know that without, because I did it for 10 or 11 years. So I don't have to prove anything anymore. Well, I get into Tulsa, and uh, for some reason or other, and I'm, my brilliant mind, remember, I'm very smart, uh, <laughs> tells me that maybe I'm having a little trouble with drinking. So I call Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'll, this couple came and to pick me up to my first meeting, and I'll never forget, I said, maybe this will help me with my complexion. <laughs> Man, I'd have given that gal the number of a good dermatologist, you know. <laughs> but they didn't, but I'll bet you they were thinking in their minds, this one may not make it, because she's here for the wrong, wrong reasons. So that was my adventure into Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember coming in and going out, and coming in and going out. uh, And the children, oh my, it took me 10 years of sobriety before I could tell this part of my story without crying. They would, I would call them from work and say something like, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to work overtime tonight. And you know, that was a lie. What was going on was this, this desperate desire to have a drink, to be able to just get easy for a minute, just settle down for a bit. and, and uh, But I'd call them, you know, and I'd say, I, I've got to work overtime. And they finally got to an age where they could say, but mama, mama, you've already said that. You know, we know about that story. And I would say something like this, shut up and don't give me any of your damn lip bang in the ear of my old child, my little baby, who's at home without food or anyone to take care of it. There was a woman we had, that uh, not had, we had, I mean she lived in the neighborhood and when she would hear that they were alone, she would come over, you know, and stay with them and feed them and... She was a real enabler, but, oh, God, am I grateful for her. Am I ever grateful for her today. Now, those children are all right today. My daughter is, uh, they have no business doing this, but my daughter is turning 50 this month. (laughs) She'd probably kill me if she knew I was telling that to a bunch of people. And she has a girl that's uh, 16, and oh my God, is she ever stacked. she's just beautiful. I don't know what, you know, why did it miss me? I'm like, I forget what your name is, but she offered me some, uh, you know, like a Roll Aid or something, or, well, that isn't it, but for your breath. And it comes from Virginia Slim. She says it's the only damn thing there I can wear, <laughs> you know, because she and I were not blessed with, you know, the curse. And, oh, uh, uh, anyhow, the so I, oh, uh, she would she you know she would take care of them, and I would be so grateful for that, but not not a lot. I mean, you know, it would just that was just sort of the way it was happening. I was so dumb. I was so dumb. So self-centered. I would come in the program and I'd listen to you and I'd think, "Oh yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, okay, I'll do that." And then I'd get mad cuz And this is why I tell women that are new in the program, please do not get emotionally involved with anyone until you have at least a year. I now say 6 months, but used to be cuz I know the futility of that. <laughs> but oh uh, uh, Because, see, I would get involved with some guy in the club. And then I'd come back to a meeting, and guess what? He's talking to somebody else. (laughs) flirting with her. And I'm sitting over there, well, they all know that I've been doing it with him. And and so I'd leave. You know, what do you do? You have to save face. To hell with sobriety. And... uh, (laughs) Because I couldn't emotionally take it. See I hadn't got my marbles back. I hadn't been able to get into that even a glimmer of what emotional sobriety might be all about. So that's why I suggest to them, please don't do that. Now I have a reputation of being a rather tough sponsor, but you know I've never had a gun. I've never never held a gun to anybody's head and said, you've got to do this. Because it would be futile, uh, you know, they'd say, your gun, let me show you my gun. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like this.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, I don't have a watch, and I don't see a clock, and I don't know where Good i what time? <laughs> Thank you, darling. I know, I love to talk, but I don't want to keep everybody... Oh, is it 12 o'clock already? <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's
0: five tails. It's five
1: tails, and that's hard to I'm going
0: out
1: here. Just get the floor.
0: That keeps your clothes tight.
1: They
0: help it. Okay. Oh, well you can always get up and walk out. <laughs> I'll just never speak to you again. <laughs> I'll keep, would you keep track Oh,
1: <laughs>
0: maybe you got it that my life was in the shambles.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got mad and in Tulsa, I got, <laughs> I got fired and uh, came to Dallas one more time because that was my only geographic. And uh, came to Dallas and once again, I'm in and out and I'm in and out. and And, I'm, and people would say, uh, that, you know, like say three years ago, they'd come in with me and they're still sober, and I'd come back again and they'd say, Well, we sure have missed you. And I'd say, Well, I didn't miss you. <laughs> or, Well, where have you been? Well, I haven't been here. You know, I mean, not give them a cutting edge. I mean, just kill them with words. Uh, the day came when I was stabbed. Oh, isn't that dramatic? And, uh, and, Oh. Um, took four days, now I always want to remind you how uh, how really intelligent I am, took me four days to figure out I might not have been stabbed if I hadn't have been drunk, you know, four days. So uh, one more time, I'm about to take a shower so I can get back out there with them and I think to myself, you're, you're about to die, you're going to die if you do this. And I called once more to Alcoholics Anonymous, and, and um, they came and got me. It was a Saturday night, a Saturday afternoon, and I'll never forget it. The guy that picked me up, I hated his guts. I already knew him. <laughs> and he was always the one that went and got the people, you know. I...
1: <laughs> <laughs> but see, by this
0: time, I didn't care.
1: Uh,
0: I did not care because I was literally scared to death. Got a sponsor who worked very well with new people. Her name was Dixie King. But when we said the Lord's Prayer, she would never say, as we forgive those who trespass against us. One day I asked her why she didn't do it. And she blurted this out like it was you know, an open hearth and it scared the heck out of me. She says, because I'm not going to forgive the SOBs. But she didn't use any initials. (laughs) I had a spiritual experience as a result of that. I had a spiritual experience because I saw for the first time that the reason I had not stayed sober was because I had never forgiven them. I had never forgiven myself. So that was a major turnaround for me and my sobriety. Another thing that happened with Dixie is about six years later she was found dead after three days uh, in a motel room out on Harry Hines before they sort of cleaned it up. And uh, it was some alcohol-related death, I don't remember what it was, alone. <coughs> She'd been alone for three days, you know. And so she had forgotten that she had no choice. She had forgotten that. And had gone back to alcoholism, I just, what a powerful lesson for me, powerful lesson. I got a new sponsor and she said, fool things like you're going to have to take the steps. Oh, you know, I mean, she was really sort of off the wall, and uh so then I get a sober, you know, well, then I start doing the steps Ta-da-da-da-da. you know, all over the metroplex and man i'm I'm a going and a gentleman, and I'm telling you all about it, and <laughs> love every minute of it because you'd always applaud, you know. So uh, I'm discovered. Oh, I forgot to tell you, I did get discovered in Tulsa when I was up there, the police. (laughs) They discovered me several times. They discovered me once here in Dallas after the assassination of Kennedy And, uh, and when they were Taking me in, you know, I said, well, is this where you guys allowed Oswald to get shot? You know. <laughs> but, but, you, but you have to take me in. You, oh, God, I was so arrogant. Um, and the woman who was the matron, she's going through my purse, and I had a rosary in there, and she says, what is a young girl like you doing in this place? And I said, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what I was doing in there, except I was mad. Go along, and I'm, you know, Miss Universe. I'm Miss, well, Miss A in the area, and I just think I am so great. And uh, then one day I'm driving the street in my car. Oh, instead, I didn't have a car till I had four years of sobriety. So don't, please, don't anybody ever tell me. Well, you know, I can't get to a meeting because I don't have a car. <laughs> uh, and uh, thank goodness I've had one ever since. Whatever condition they were in. Uh, and I'm driving the street, and I'm stopped at a signal light, and this guy had pulled in front of me. Well, he was not supposed to do that. He was driving a Lexus. Bad move. The light turns, and he goes, and I come along behind him. And by God, I'm tailgating him. And then I, you know, and he's looking at me in the mirror, and then I scoot up ahead of him, and I throw my brakes on in front of him, so he has to go around me well that's okay I'll tailgate you smart and I don't know how far along we did this but I am really I can imagine in what he must have been thinking what is that old gray-haired lady doing you know <laughs> oh and thank God my body took over and my back went into spasms and my throat is closing down and my hands are shaking and trembling and I'd already had two open heart surgeries, and I knew I didn't need any more problems. So I finally was able to stop, you know, and collect myself. Well, I went to a meeting that night and was telling somebody about it, and and there was also a girl I was sponsoring who was going to have to drive to Wisconsin with only three weeks of three months, and so he was hearing us, you know, and he said, "Well, hey, I've got some tapes that she can listen to while she's driving to Wisconsin." And I reared myself up to my 5'9 frame, and I said, oh, thank you very much, but you know, I'm her sponsor. And I tell her what to listen to. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So he gave us both a set of
1: tapes.
0: (laughs) And the thing that I heard that impressed me most was I cannot live on yesterday's bread. So if you're long in the program and you haven't taken the steps in the last 20 years, for God's sakes, get busy. Why not? You know? I mean, that's what they're there for. The book tells me over and over again, this is a lifelong process. We don't just get somewhere and then stop. We have to. I have to. Maybe you don't have to, but I have to continually renew that faith and that that wisdom and that information and let it keep coming back through me and and hearing it from you guys and I, I that that's a necessity for me today. So I've had some really great lessons in AA. A. So so grateful for that. I'll uh, I will close. <laughs> but um, first of all, I want to tell you that I had to. I went to the cardiologist the other day, and they did a sonogram. Right? Said what they Thank you. He's not my cardiologist, but I was talking to him about it. He knows what they are. It wouldn't be bad, though, you know, honey. <laughs> and uh, and uh, anyhow, so it turns out I-, I really have. I've now had three openings of my, of my gullet, you know, to figure out what's going on with this heart. I had a mitral valve problem. And uh, I like to say that so that you won't think, well, why don't you give up eating all that greasy food? Because that wasn't the problem. Thank you.
1: <laughs> 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 and, I,
0: and the last time, they really didn't think I would live through it at my age, you know, that, I would, that, that was just, what, a couple of years ago. And a year and a half. And, uh, uh, so here, so they, you know, they're watching it pretty closely. And it seems that my heart is about 20, efficient, uh, is exercising, is doing its thing at about a 20% lower level than what it should be. Well, immediately, you know, I'm thinking, well, I'm so glad I've already had my funeral plans made, <laughs> which is silly, you know, but uh, but I did whenever that last time they went in the I had it all arranged, and who was going to say what at my memorial? And <laughs> well, you know, there are a lot of the people here that were going to be in on that act, so anyhow. Uh, so I'm immediately into, well, hell, I'm dead now. You know, <laughs> this is it. Oh, and I said, I know this is a s- stupid question. No stupid questions, he says. I said, but this one really is a stupid question. I said, I may have to have cataract surgery soon. Do you think I should go ahead and spend that kind of money for cataract surgery? <laughs> and he. I said, see, I told you it was a crazy story because how in the heck is he going to know at what moment I die? And if any of you think you know at what moment you shall die, then you've got a little surprise coming for you. Uh, so uh, he says, no, he says, really, that's not a crazy question. That's a question of philosophy. If it is damaging your, your lifestyle, then have the operation. It doesn't matter if you live with them for three days or 30 years. It does not matter. Just maintain your lifestyle. And I thought, wow, what a perfect answer for me. Because see what he does then, what he did. He got me back into the right now. Is this what I got? This is what I got. So I'll go for whatever I got to go for. Right now I have nothing else to go for. Please believe that. There's nothing but this moment. I know I, oh God, how many hours have I spent in my lifetime worrying about what's gonna happen? The kids are gonna... I used to have this paranoia thing. I was in a meeting once at Old Town North and the, in the office, the phone rang. There were about 30 of us around the table. and The phone rings and the guy comes to the door You know, and I was sure that he was going to call me. So I raised my hand so he could be sure I was there. Because in my mind, he's going to say, you know, one of your children has been in a terrible accident and they've been decapitated. Is that not dumb? I mean, you know, but that's the way my mind goes. That's the way it kept going. And, And that kind of information, that kind of worrying, I don't believe in worrying. I've often told girls that, I sponsor, if I thought worrying would help us any, we would hire some professional warriors and get this damn job done, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing
0: in my life has been improved by worrying because I have to let go and let God. I've got to let go and let God take care of this thing. And so anyhow, I raised my hand, you know, and told him that I was there. And he said, uh, hey, Joe, here's the phone, you know. It wasn't me at all, but I, that moment, that time that I was spent doing that denied me the privilege of standing in the sunlight of the Spirit, which is one of my favorite phrases in the book, the sunlight of the Spirit. Any moment, and I really believe this, any moment that I am worrying about what you're doing or what you're thinking or what's going to happen. I am denying myself that privilege of being right here, right now, with you. I am going to quit. I know I'm going to tell you another story. <laughs> <laughs> After my first open heart surgery, apparently something strange happens. I, my theory is that the love runs out of your heart. Uh, But they say that uh, you will become very depressed. I mean, even the surgeon told me that, you know, so those guys don't mess around. And uh, I thought to myself, this is so stupid. I'm in the mother of all the 12-step programs. I am Miss AA in the Metroplex. I have the lady in red personality, you know. I'm not going to get depressed, but I said, well, thank you. And this nun had told me, and she said, and call me when you do. Not if, but when you do. So I called her, because it came. (laughs) And she said, what you do, dear, is you say, well, hi, depression. How the hell are you? You are as much a part of my life as my joy, my 5'9 frame, my brown eyes. You are, so I'm going to, you're part of me, and I'm going to take care of you, and nurture you, and put you to sleep, or wake you up, whatever needs to be done. You're going to be okay, and it's all right for you to be here. And you know what? That depression left me. Now, I know that there are people that have manic depressive, you know, manic depressive, and that wouldn't work on you. But if it's just the old grassroots stuff, you know, feeling sorry for ourselves, that just might work. Just my work. So think about doing that. Then there is a story, another one that I will tell, because he just told me I had a few more minutes. Uh, there was a woman, the woman who t- told this story at the first uh, was a very religious woman, and uh, so she applied it to her religion. And she's, And it allegedly is a true story where. Paderewski, whom many of you probably never even heard of and could care less, but he was a famous uh, pianist at the turn of the century, very talented, wonderful man. And he was uh, waiting in the wings to come on stage to play a recital. And this woman had brought her little seven-year-old boy along with her, and uh, they were seated, and she's turned, talking to the people behind her, and the little boy, I could just see him in my, my eyes, mind, you know. and and he wiggles out of that chair and he runs up on the stage and he sits down at that grand piano and he starts playing chopsticks. <laughs> you know, everybody, <gasps> the al number, you know. <laughs> See, I do know something about al <laughs> and, uh, and he, you know, and everybody's aghast that this little boy has done that, except for Paderewski and he walks out on the stage and he sits down at the piano stool by the man, little boy, puts his arms around him and he says, you just keep playing chopsticks and I'm gonna play with you. And it was a real serendipity for the group because it was magnificent what he did with that little ditty of a thing. The woman then said, you know that's the way it is with us. We go to heaven and we tell God about all of the horrible, horrible things we've done. And we want them just like somebody was talking the other day. Uh, you know, I want you to hear all my stuff now. Don't you tell me that you don't want to hear it all, you know, to our sponsors. Incidentally, I, tell, I told one of my spons- guys, a guy I sponsored at the time, and he, oh, my, his family. Uh, finally, after about the third time of that nonsense, I said, I've heard everything about your family I intend to hear. Now, you either get on the program and get over this and take an inventory on it and forgive those folk or don't bore me with it. I don't want to hear it, you know, and I don't. I'm not kidding you. I don't deal in death, and that's death-defying whenever you just keep going back over it and back over it and back over it, and, and, you know, and it just gets worse. It never gets better. And the story, and then then God just tells you, you "Know the person." It's okay. All we do is make beautiful music up here. Well, that's what I think we do in AA. You know, we come in so destitute and so disarranged and so spickable and despairing and all of those words. We just hate ourselves so tremendously. But in AA, we we just put our arms around each other and say, "Come on in. We're just making beautiful music here." And I hope that all of you get to complete your symphonies. Thank you so much for having me.